the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 172 Heavy Johnny of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, and with me, like every week, is the Axel Witzel of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we take you through a huge week uh, in the world of MMA. We're obviously going to look back at UFC 226, which went down at the weekend. Uh, we're going to look forward to next week's card as well, the return of Junior Dos Santos and my boy Darren Elkins, uh, and a few more things. And we're just going to talk shite, answer your questions, do all that sort of fun stuff. Graham, how are you, how things? Yeah, good, can't complain. Uh, I was, was drinking last night, but uh, I'm feeling all right today. I think you had a heavy weekend as well, didn't you? Well, not so much a heavy weekend, just like a, heavy, a relatively heavy Saturday night. But yeah, I'm still <laughs> getting queer old now. Like it's it's what, 11 o'clock here on Monday morning and I haven't drank since Saturday night and I'm still dying. It's just like, oh, I was talking to the lads out. I was like, one of us has a bad knee. I have a bad shoulder. One of the other lads has a bad fucking, I don't know what he has. Just all bad back. He was like stretching the whole time as we were sitting down drinking wines. Like, uh, once you once you hit 30, like, or once you hit 29 even, it's your life is basically over then, isn't it? You're just, I don't know how Nine McGrath does it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he's been doing it for decades, and who knows? Like, he, it must be, uh, who knows? He's so rich, he's probably on some, like, anti-aging treatment or something. It doesn't show on the face, but... Uh, <laughs> Or maybe it does. Who the fuck knows what age he is? He could be anything. Yeah. Do you reckon he gets like 17-year-old boys and takes sucks their blood? <laughs> sucks their blood out, yeah, direct from the source. I've, I've heard rumors, but I haven't been able to substantiate them. <laughs> I heard some fucking Peter Thiel shit going on with Nile McGrath. But, uh... <laughs> I heard he's, he's like Fritzel. He's got people in his back fucking garden and shit. Like. Yeah, he could do it. Just like young lads running around and stuff so I can... <laughs> just robbed their vitality off him but uh, anyway yeah um yeah what, what about uh the soccer coming on my boys belgium i predicted them before the, the tournament they're gonna win it uh, football's coming do you reckon football's actually coming home do you think it, it could come home to china to china <laughs> oh, i forgot i was talking to graham hold on yeah no to england to britain britain um great britain uh i don't think they're gonna win it but like at this stage like anybody can win in the semi-final stage. Uh, all the good teams except for France and Belgium are out. Okay. Uh, Spain like really blew it, sacked the manager right before the the World Cup. Uh, Brazil, they they just got beaten by the better team against Belgium, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, England have a, a decent route to the final. Like if 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 it's not Belgium in the final, either way, it's going to be a tough final. But a final is a once-off game and. Anything can happen. And Jordan Henderson's playing. He hasn't lost a game for England in 30 games. is most in England history. So, uh, so if he's fit, he has a bit of a tight hamstring apparently. But uh, if he's fit, they should win. Missed the penalty though, which made me awful very happy. All Man United lads scored. To be honest, it was that was more of a saved penalty than a missed penalty. Even yeah, though I'm yeah. usually critical about penalties, he should always score them. But when you hit it hard and low, in the, right into the corner, and the keeper makes a fantastic save, it's kind yeah. of... Like if your keeper makes that save, it's like it's keepers don't make them saves really, and penalties you do. So, yeah. What about Marrow and Fellaini stepping up, rescuing Belgium from the precipice of World Cup elimination? Brilliant, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Fellaini. Always have been. You, you, you know yeah. that. Me and you have been talking about him for years. Yeah, we have. In fairness, we have. But anyway, better we better talk about uh, MMA and 
God Almighty was just a, it was it was a fantastic event. As I was talking about there on Saturday, I came home kind of half sauced, uh, and I was having half sauced, fucking all over the gaff. <laughs> Today, I'm David Gray. David Gray. <laughs> yeah, David Gray was on the radio. Like, what am I supposed to do? Not text you and tell you to put on today? <laughs> In fairness, that's a good point. It is, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, this this event just turned out to be really good, apart from a, a couple of fights, maybe. But let, let's get to the main event uh, first, I suppose. And before we get to the the madness after it, the the fight itself, and I suppose like this fight, it was it was. A, it's not that it didn't go how I expected, but it was it was odd because. Right, me coming in analyzing the fight, a lot of the talk, and, and you you know, you agreed and you talked about it as well last week, was about maybe getting the front foot and establishing your dominance there. But Daniel Cormier, and obviously, when we come into these big fights as well, and I think we actually mentioned that last week, how, and I mentioned on the size up as well, <clears throat> how guys will change up their game, you know, to suit the fight or to suit their opponent. And Daniel Cormier did something which I thought was was very smart and was actually huge, but didn't it was it was smart, but it didn't maybe work out a hundred percent for him at the time. What he did was he gave up the front foot to get Stipe into his range so he could uh clinch. Right. So at, from the very start, and I tweeted at the time, Stipe is doing well because Stipe was establishing the front foot. And it wasn't just that Carmier gave it up, Stipe got it as well, but Carmier did not make as much of an effort to get his jab going, to get his combinations going from the start as he normally does in fights. <clears throat> he stood back, was happy to put his back against the fence, was happy to let Stipe throw shots. He rolled with him. And when Stipe went in, he knew he was quicker than him. He knew he was able to establish the clinch and he got in there. And he did that very well. The, the problem from that after that was Stipe did very well in the clinch, I thought, uh, from those situations. He was landing some good knees inside. He wasn't letting DC get uh, you know, get Stipe with his back against the fence. He wasn't letting him get off uh, too much inside. And DC quickly had to change it up a little bit. And then he tried started to establish the front foot. He started to get uh, into the clinch in different ways. He started to get it from exchanges rather than letting Stipe come in, letting him get to the, um, to the fence. We, and we saw it from the finish. What happened was he, you know, they obviously came together from an exchange in the middle of the in the middle of the cage, and that was a big thing. DC changed up, which you know, fight IQ is something we give out to lads about a lot of the time. For DC, the fight IQ I thought was huge. His plan, he came in, it worked, but it didn't work in the way he wanted it to work. So he changed up very quickly and went to kind of maybe Plan B or Plan One A. Got the clinch in the middle of the fence or, or in the middle of the cage. And did unbelievably good work. It, you know, I, I said it at the time. I thought that's where he was going to win the fight. I thought I thought he was going to win it on the inside, and you know that turned out to be right. The, the finish was was absolutely unbelievable, but it was coming. Like I, I think watching that fight, you know, DC was throwing lots of shots, landing lots of shots, and it, you know it's funny. You see a guy coming up from a lighter weight to fight a bigger guy, and it's weird with DC because he's a genuine heavyweight, and I think that guy kind of got away from people. But when you see yeah, a weight in heavier at the weigh-ins, exactly. Yeah. But when you see a guy coming up from a lighter weight, you'd normally think even like Felder, but that's a bit of a weird guess. You'd normally think the lighter guy would not hit as hard, or would he? You know, his strikes wouldn't have as much of an effect on the bigger guy. But in this, DC's punches were having way more of an effect than Stipe's punches. And you know, everyone thought coming into this fight <clears throat> that Stipe was the bigger puncher. But I think a lot of that was because DC was rolling with the punches. He was ready to roll and clinch every time Stipe threw. He was expecting him to come. You know, he was countering 
his steepest big shots with the clinch and with shots of his own. And I think everything DC threw was, had an effect. You know, he talked about Stipe in the clinch, having his hands low, and he knew he could come in over the top. He landed a beautiful right hand at one stage over the top. And the fin, like the finish was a, a thing of, of absolute beauty. You know, he got the overhook, acted like he was getting out into free space, then went in and got a little bit of an underhook and steep it out. Oh, I'm back in the clinch now. But he immediately kind of half let it go and threw the, the, the right hand from the clinch that knocked steep it down. It was brilliant. Like he did four movements in the space of like a second and a half. It was so quick. Knocked him out with that big, huge hand on the inside when steep it was expecting to be in a clinch, not in a striking range, not in a dirty boxing range, and finished him with a, with a couple of coffinels. To me, this was. This was a coming of age for Daniel Cormier. You know, this was him getting out of John Jones' shadow, which we'll get to in a minute. But what, like, what do you think? What do you think of the fight? What, how did you break it down? Uh, Daniel Cormier's clinch work and his uh, his pressure, um, and maybe uh, he had bigger power because his punches are, are less straight than uh, more loopy than than Stipe's. So we kind of talked about that in, the, in, the, in the, when we were we both picked Cormier but I didn't think it would be as quick I think I thought he'd wear down uh, Stipe and make adjustments better than Stipe but it was only as you said a couple of adjustments uh, early and that was all he needed to get the finish and it was a beautiful finish uh, he obviously said afterwards that he uh, he they, his team had noticed that when Stipe was stepping out of the clinch like that he he had a tendency to do it kind of slowly with his hands down so they obviously were waiting for that and it was really well executed and as you said about stepping out of John Jones's shadow, it's like it's it really was a, a huge win for DC. Like there's a lot of controversy or not a lot, a lot of asterisks beside his uh, his his uh, reign as champion at lightweight or light heavyweight because of the towel and because of Jones beating him, but then getting changed with no contest because of uh, of a, a PD a Jones PD test. So there was a, there's a there's a lot of asterisks there, but there's no asterisks around this one. He came in, made weight, no problem. As I said, he was heavier than Stipe. It just shows how much weight he's fucking cutting to get to two hundred five. And mm-hmm. uh, okay, he was heavier than when he gets two hundred five, but he's uh he's he's a massive he's a massive puncher uh, even at heavyweight, uh, especially at heavyweight. Uh, as he was saying afterwards, or on the commentary, they were saying as well, he'd been knocking out his training partners in, in training, which isn't really that, that good of a look to be saying yeah. you're knocking out all these people. But uh, uh, if he did say that, which he did, he did say that. So I would believe that that was true, that he was, he's very confident in his hands and his knockout ability. And he just, he just made this, the slight adjustments, like you said, and it was enough to, to beat Stipe and Stipe, like, you know, he's the longest reigning UFC heavyweight champion of all time. And I talked about it before, like when I was picking Cormier, that, you can't. It's very hard to last. Uh, go on long streaks at, at heavyweight in in UFC at the, at the top level because guys hit so hard and you make one little mistake like Verdum made against Stipe when he lost the belt to him and Stipe made here. You get knocked the fuck out. Yeah, and <clears throat> look, there's obviously lots more to talk about Carmine and stuff and, and this fight, and I'll get to it in a second. But to me, I, I just on Stipe. He looked so nervous before this fight. You know, I, I tweeted at the time, and a lot of people said, "Oh, he looks the same as he always does." I'm not a you know. If people listen to this podcast. I'm not a big one for you know people looking nervous and people looking bad and stuff. But to me, he he looked like the moment was getting to him. He I really does, and I don't I don't say that often. People who listen to this know that I don't say it often, but he did. He looked so nervous coming into that fight. 
I don't know. There's sometimes I just think there's a tendency to know people are very bad matchups for you. And, you know, for maybe things to get on top of you, this big spotlight as well, this obviously the biggest card in the year, International Fight Week. You know, he's, Steve has had big fights. You know, he's gone over to Brazil and done it. Maybe he's better working as the underdog. You know, there's some, some, people and some teams and you know in all sports are better working as the underdog a lot of people were coming in here you know saying that he was the you know i was expected to win it and he i think he's a an intelligent guy he knows what's going on he knows how good dc is as well and maybe you know, there was a little bit of a conflict there in his mind or something you know it just he seemed off you know he seemed uh he seemed very off but you know to me Stipe, this was a, always a tough match for Stipe, you know, doing, we obviously we did a lot of analysis last weekend about uh, about it, I found it very hard to see any way Stipe was winning, you know, you talked about it there, it's so hard to keep going on streaks at, at heavyweight and stuff, and that's why you can never re- rule someone out, because they can catch you with a, with a big shot, and I think that was more Stipe's angle than it was DC's angle. I think, you know, if you expected someone to get knocked out in this uh, fight in the first round, you'd say it'd probably be it'd be DC because Stipe hits so hard. You know, obviously there's always the chance DC does it as well, but he, I, I was expecting, you know, three or four round or a decision uh, win for, for DC if it was going that way. But, you know, everything seemed, you know, it, it just, everything seemed against Stipe in, in this fight. And I think he was, he was beaten, um, he was beaten pretty, pretty comprehensively. But look, you know, there's obviously a, a big way back for him uh, as well. But I want to touch on a couple of things that you were uh, you mentioned there, John Jones as well. Like, yeah, like it. This was, you know, when you're talking about Daniel Cormier, it's very weird because there's he's one of these guys that it's very hard to analyze what the actual facts around his career are and all because there's so much weirdness like people and people call him the greatest of all time and i was like look there's no need for that why, why would you try to call him the greatest of all time? we know he's not the greatest of all time like come on if you want to talk about you know old people they've faced you know if you want to even leave jones out of it if you want to talk about longevity as a champion obviously george st pierre is going to beat him there like we i, I think everyone would, would agree with that if you looked at nicole light today if you want to talk about absolute skills i think I think GSP probably beats him. I think Demetrius Johnson beats him, even if you want to leave out John Jones. So look, I, I don't think there's any argument for him as the goal. I think this is, you know, last week I talked about maybe he's in the top 10, top 20. I think this elevates him a bit more. You know, I think he's definitely top 10 now, top, you know, top six, seven, maybe even. Um, and and that, there's nothing wrong with that. Like when you say that, maybe people think, oh, what are you talking about? Don Graydon? No, he's like one, literally one of the greatest fighters to ever do it. But he's definitely not. Uh, not the greatest, and and uh, look, I, I just think, <laughs> I think that's it, it. Actually, takes away from him. It's like when you call these Bama and Cage Warriors guys world champions. It takes away from him. There's nothing wrong with calling someone a Bama champion or Cage Warrior champion. Like there's nothing wrong with calling DC a really, really good fighter. You know, a, a, one of the best fighters of his generation, but the greatest. It's I think it takes away from him. But to, to the point on Jones, <clears throat> it you know you mentioned it there. This title has nothing to do with Jones. You know this is completely out of Jones's shadow. This is, he went up, he established himself as the heavyweight champion. He called out Brock Lesnar, which we'll, we'll get to in a second. I think this was huge for Daniel Cormier. This, this is something <clears throat> which, you know, his career, and I've talked about it loads of times, uh, <clears throat> and, and when this fight was actually announced, I think we, we kind of talked about it on the podcast, that this was his chance to get out of Jones's shadow. And maybe we didn't talk about that last week so much because we were kind of caught up in the fight and everything. But I think after the fight, it really, 
you know, it really kind of resonated that he this is a coming out of his shadow moment. This is something which is all Daniel Cormier. There was barely a mention of John Jones afterwards. I remember I tweeted, you know, pity for John Jones's thoughts and like almost nobody was even talking about John Jones at that stage, which after a Daniel Cormier fight is weird. And and I think it does uh, it does paint a picture of uh you know of of where he what this win actually meant for him. It definitely is huge, and I'm very, I'm actually very surprised. I haven't seen anything from John Jones yet. No comment, no snide remark, or, or congratulations, or no, nothing. Uh, uh, when I looked earlier, so uh, I was surprised at that. He usually he usually can't help but take a jab, but Jones is known known to post uh, to post Instagram stories or Twitter stories and then delete them. So maybe maybe that happened and I missed it. But uh, uh, I'm sure John Jones will have something to say. But maybe maybe he's just biting his lip because his. Uh, because his lawyers are just telling him to wait for this USADA ruling and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to look like he's out there being childish and they kind of go with the defense of he's a good person and made a mistake. So it kind of goes against that, I suppose, in their minds maybe a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I, I would lo- like to like to hear John Jones' thoughts, as you said uh, in your tweet, but um, uh, it's not really about Jones. Like it, it, As you said, it's always about Jones when... when with Cormier, uh, when it's that light heavyweight, because of just the, the rivalry and all the incidents and the mm-hmm. the shoe, the sh- the the punch at the at the stare down, the shoe thing, mm-hmm. just been so many things, and they just hate each other and the useful their pussy and all that all that stuff. Just so much rivalry and everything. When you mention Cormier for years and years, Jones is like in the, coming up in the next sentence or in the same sentence, and with this, it, uh, people weren't as you said, people weren't talking about John Jones nearly at all. Mm-hmm. And that's really good for Daniel Cormier. I'm sure he's sick of fucking hearing about John Jones. Yeah, 100%. Before we get to the Brock thing, actually, we touched on it a second ago, but the way it, and he came in, uh, he did come in heavier than Sipe, didn't he? He did? Yeah, he did. Okay, anyway. Um, what, what do you think of Daniel Cormier's weight? You know, he came in extremely heavy, I thought, uh, into this. He looked heavy in the octagon. It, it obviously worked well for him. You know, his, his punching power was there and everything he did. You know, he did exceptionally well to get the finish. But do you think it's, like, sustainable if he's going to... I don't think he's ever getting down to 205 again. But do you think he can get down to 205 again or if he wants it? Or do you think that weight is sustainable at, at a heavyweight? I think he goes down again if John Jones is back within... within. If John Jones is gone for four years, I think Cormier's going to be retired by the time Jones comes back. Uh, but he could unretire un- and fight John Jones. Everybody knows. And mate retirements don't last. But uh, uh, I t- getting back down to 205... I think he can. I think he's he's used to losing a lot of weight. Uh, even back in his wrestling days, I think he was freestyle American wrestling captain, and he went over to the Olympics and he didn't get to compete because he couldn't make weight. So uh, it's been a long, long problem for him with dealing with his weight and stuff. But um, it just shows uh, like it shows how much he actually sacrificed in order to stay away from his teammate Cain Velasquez and. Uh, at heavyweight because he was a heavyweight all along all throughout his career he was undefeated at heavyweight i think he was what like 14 and now or something was yeah he? yeah 14 no yeah or 13 you know, no 13 and all, yeah yeah you know he was he, he was having no problems at a at heavyweight there was no reason to drop down bar just uh he didn't want to fight his, his friend came velasquez and now came velasquez is just he's kind of just gone like until he has a fight book even when he has a fight book until he actually makes it to the fight he, you can kind of forget about him with Velasquez for the moment he's just he's just too injury prone and it's kind of left an opening here for for Daniel Cormier and Daniel Cormier is not young so maybe he could have a few fights here and then retire and let Velasquez have another shot at it. 
Yeah, it's, it, that is an interesting point as well. As well, what, like what's going to be next for Ken Velasquez? Carmi is talking about retiring in March, and just come on, like you know, <laughs> people are people believing that? Like, um, it's just like, oh, oh look, the, the the media in in America are very much taken away with Daniel Carmi. You know, we get criticised for you know to, uh, for <laughs> giving an easy line for the Irish media. But, oh, Jesus Christ, Daniel Carmi! Like our children, like a lot of them. Oh, it's it's fucking embarrassing, you know, but. It's it's, anyway. it's Roxy, Roxy is the the mother and Daniel Cormier is the father. <laughs> that is a fact. Jeez, Roxy, oh yeah, we must talk about that card as well. I nearly forgot about it. But yeah, here, <laughs> let's let's get to the main event anyway. And Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Cormier after the bell. The, to me, this was one of my favorite moments in MMA history. I was just absolutely. Do you know the thing about this as well is people at the time, like there was almost nobody saying anything bad about it, but then they were given like 10 minutes to think about it and they were like, oh, this is all WWE. It's fucking awful. I'm like, why? Like, why do you not like this? Are you just dead inside? Like, do you not like a bit of crack? Like, what, what happened here that is so awful? Why is this so terrible for the sport? What's so bad about it? Uh, it's not terrible. Fuck up. Shut fuck you. Fuck everyone who hates this. I hate you all. It was good crack. Brock Lesnar came in there looking like a fucking penguin, an oversized penguin with fucking alligator boots on, coming around pushing Daniel Carmier and then Daniel Carmier's tiny little boxing coach pushed Brock Lesnar, who's about 14 times the size of him. Dana White, like, ushers the little man away. <laughs> Daniel Carmier's like, this is not 2010 anymore. You're fighting in the Stone Age. Oh, it was it was the best thing ever. <laughs> Brock Lesnar was like, "Fuck Nugano, he's a piece of shit." Steve is a piece of shit, which was a bit bad, but it was funny at the same time. The whole thing, I'm coming for you, motherfucker! Smashes the camera. Oh, I love this. This is this was everything great about comedy, about MMA, about pro wrestling. Oh, I love this. Did you love it, Graham? You better have loved it, or fuck you. It was entertaining, but there was parts of it that were a bit lame. I thought the Brock Lesnar should have pushed him a lot harder if they were going to make it look real. Uh, and then Daniel Cormier's like one-handed little push was was really lame. Like, but uh, I love Brock Lesnar. Like, we take it through the mic at the at the camera and like just ma- making these like angry faces and stuff, and just the way he was stomping around the place, like calling everybody out. Like, I know you said it was kind of bad on Stipe, but that's just Brock Lesnar. He doesn't give a shit. Like, you know, he's. I'm a, I'm a jacked up white boy. Deal with it. Like I think that says everything about Brock Lesnar. It did, but like it was, <laughs> it was the perfect Brock Lesnar went heel straight away. Daniel Cormier went babyface. You can see the big smile on Cormier's face, and he like he's call out of Brock as well to call him into the octagon. Was just... Money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to DC. Listen to D. I loved it. Oh, I absolutely loved. It. Like why? I don't understand why people don't love it. Like, oh, this is MMA is changing. It like MMA was always like this. Do you not remember Ken Shamrock? I'm going to beat you into a living death. Or Tito Ortiz with his punishment thing, jump in the cage. Do you not remember Conor McGregor jumping the cage uh, to go after Jose Aldo? Do you not you like? Do you not remember James Tony fighting in the UFC? Do you not remember? GSP begging. Yeah, this, this was more like this was more though like it, it did seem played up at parts like you know it did seem like full pro wrestling uh, like they could have like some bits of it were were really well done but other bits you could see that they were playing up like yeah so what no I know but that's why people what people don't like about it like they, they prefer it to be genuine but why what, what, like what's the what's the problem like why can you not have a bit of crack like can you not sell a sell a fight like 
you know I, no, I you don't, can't, you can't like, I, I'm not, like i haven't got a problem with it but i'm, I'm just saying where well, you think why do people why are people annoyed at that that's i think yeah. that's why because people want it to be genuine but people are just going to get annoyed about anything like you know people are looking to get annoyed and looking to get upset about things they, they, they scale the internet and scale the world looking for things to be offended by yeah i think people need to just fucking relax get over it. like come on it's a bit of crack they're, they're gonna fight like uh, people don't realize about mma like it's not a sport you know, it's this is sporting and entertainment. You have, you know, you sell the fight to get in there. You don't have to sell the fight. You don't have to. But then you can end up like Darren Elkins, you know, midway through a fucking a prelim card when he should be fighting for a title. You know, that that's just the reality of it. If you want if you want to see these big stars in big fights, they're going to have to sell it. You know, and that's what they do. You know, everyone ever always did it. Ronda Rousey sold the fights. Conor McGregor sold the fights. Brock Lesnar, Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, Ken Shamrock, down through the years. This is not a new thing. This has always happened. You know, and it's, you know, people talking about MMA is changing. This is a disgrace. This is going to ruin the sport. It's gone pure WWE. No, it is not. You either have a short memory or a short fandom because this has always happened. And I, like, my mind has always been what happens outside the fight is is grand it, they're playing up to it you know this is this is just promotion for the fight it's a bit of crack I, you know it can things can go too far you know if you punch someone in the face or whatever but you know shit talking having a bit of crack a little bit of a push now every now and then you know what, what's wrong with that like i actually don't know what's wrong with it you know if, it, okay if it comes in and someone starts fucking ddt in a guy in the in the middle of a fight or you know if someone puts someone in a boston crab and they get tapped out okay fair enough then it's gone to pro, pro wrestling yeah, the reason, again, that I think people are a little annoyed or people are, don't like it or upset, but they just prefer the real shit is when, like, Cormier and Jones had that little scrap at the weigh-ins and Dave Schaller was, like, knocked out of the way and Cormier's, like, throwing a shoe when he's on the ground. And so you don't, like, choreograph that. It was definitely it was definitely genuine or people took it as genuine anyway. And then, like, you know, McGregor and Aldo, like, grabbing the belt and you could see how annoyed Aldo was. And it, it's just it's just... They prefer the real shit where people don't like to feel like they're being tricked. Like I know pro wrestling fans are kind of used to that, like and they like that and that they kind of buy into that. But a lot of people who don't like pro wrestling, I think. I, I disagree. Like I disagree because people hated when McGregor did it as well. They were calling him out, giving out to him, but they still went out and bought the fight. They're they hated. I think when... people were saying it was fake though, but like I think most like most people knew it was real. But I don't think all of that was real. Like when McGregor was going, "Spish on my belt," you like you, you know. Oh no! I mean, when he when he like grabbed the belt and Aldo like tried to go like try to grab it back and stuff, it was it was like a genuine like it was, like Aldo wasn't in on that at all. Like no, but like these you know these things happen. Were they in it? Like had they had they rang each other up and planned to do that at the time? I I don't know if they did. Obviously, Brock Lesnar planned to be there. Like, but I. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but like I say, Daniel Cormier would have been like, and Stipe would have been told by Dana White that like, here, Brock Lesnar's here. We're gonna yeah. fight the winner against him. So be ready for that when you when you win. Like, yeah, but that's not planning like a promo. Like that's just planning your next fight. You know, I, I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. And even if they did, what's no, I don't wrong, see with wrong with it either? I'm just I'm just saying that's people prefer yeah, the 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 fully like. genuine. The big people just want you know these fighters to come in and we'll have a fight and that's it, and they don't talk about it before the fight. Like, what what do they want? It's kind of like, you know, when people, like, there's a big bad blood before a fight for months and months, and then after the fight, everybody's hugging and saying, ah, I was only selling the fight, and all people are like, fuck's sake. Like, yeah. People are annoyed by that. Like. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah, but anyway, um, what do you think of the fight? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking yeah, forward to the I fight. Yeah. I, 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 I think, like, I don't know what this USADA thing is, Brock Lesnar, I don't know what's going on. Apparently, apparently, he's coming back into... 
He's coming back pool. into the the pool. Yeah. Um. Uh, Six Jeff, months. Yeah. Jeff Nowitzki was on um, uh, John Morgan's podcast, and he said if he he had entered before Sunday or whatever it was, I'm I'm pretty sure that it's like back day of the week. So if you enter like a minute to midnight on Sunday, that's you've been in for a whole week. So you know if you wanted to fight uh, like last week, how <laughs> does that make sense? What the well, I don't know. I, I suppose it's just the database, the way it works, but it doesn't really make too much of a, a of a difference anyway. But I. It's it's Jeremy Botter reported that he's been in it for three three weeks, but that's Botter, so you wouldn't know. But I I'd, look the the late December card is going to be in Toronto. I can't see him fighting in Toronto, so I think January is more uh, likely. I I'm this people talking about oh DC wants two fights before he retires. DC's not going to retire. Just get over that shit. Like it's it's a gimmick and it's it's a good gimmick because people are buying into it. But look, like come on he's not going to retire he's going to fight Brock Lesnar if John Jones comes back John Jones says he wants to fight next May he's going to fight John Jones next May let's let's be real about it here but look the, the fight itself it, it didn't if it doesn't happen next it's absolutely idiotic because if uh, DC goes back down and fights Gustafsson or if he fights Volkov or something you know both of those fights are, are tough enough fights I think he'd win both of them but they're both tough enough fights all right uh anyway that's enough on the the heavyweight title fight that was that was pretty good anyway and I suppose uh if any questions on that or anything, send them into us for, uh, for next week and we talk, can talk about them there. But let's move on because we'll be here all day. Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou. Okay, we're not going to stay too long on this because absolutely nothing happened in this fight. This was one of the worst fights in UFC history. The biggest blow of this uh, matchup between Ngannou and Lewis was landed at the fake way in the day before when uh, when Derek Lewis pushed him. Nobody did anything. This could have been a 30-30 fight. It was just so terrible. Lewis won it properly because he landed a couple of shots off the back foot. Just absolutely terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think it was terrible. I think Joe Rogan, I think it was Joe Rogan who said uh that he he needs a good sports psychologist because he just he he was afraid to pull the trigger i think there uh it was it was really tentative and 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 a afraid performance from from big fran and i thought he clearly lost as well uh derek lewis didn't do much complained about his back because he always does and kind of didn't do much but he did a lot more than francis and ganu did francis and ganu literally i think it was what he landed like nine punches or something in the whole fucking fight it was fucking terrible yeah, it was, it was awful. Like we, we talked about it last week, and I think the the big question coming into this fight was the mentality of Francis Ngannou. Could it, you know, could he go back to the killer he used to be? And he went the exact opposite. He went to like this guy who tried to be technical, who tried to look for the big shot, and he didn't throw one for the whole fight. It was, it was embarrassing. Like to be honest, it it was just absolutely terrible. And look hopefully he can get this is just that getting out of his system hopefully next time he comes back he can do it again but i don't know yeah. this this looked this looked terrible because Derek lewis is an easy matchup for him like he's no real wrestling you know he isn't that fast you know i think he's well able to dodge him i think he'd be able to knock him out pretty easily if he just threw his hands and he just didn't do it it was it was it was just so odd wasn't it yeah it was actually uh, i think it by the start of the second round when I realized that he definitely wasn't just conserving his energy I realized that he was just gonna lose like he was just never gonna pull the trigger and even when he did pull the trigger he was kind of like moving away or or just kind of looked he looked afraid and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he didn't look afraid at all in his previous fight to me I, I talk about this all the time these endeavor the, the new owners of the UFC are pushing these guys these prospects too quick in, in total shots and you run the risk of you run the risk of this shit happening when when you do that. 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, let's move on. Mike Perry and Paul Felder was kind of a weird fight because Felder got injured in like the first half of the first round. And it was just a weird fight from, from then on in. You know, we, we talked about Felder and he's improved an awful lot. But I think what Felder did improve with was using his, you know, just his kickboxing and his straight up kickboxing a lot better than he, he previously had. And, you know, a lot of times in MMA, you have to be, you know, it's better to, to vary things. Uh, but for Paul Felder, I feel it's not. Uh, I think he's better when he's just a straight-up technical fighter. But breaking his arm, like, in the, in the middle of the first round, it made him change things up. It made him throw those weird things again. It made him jab a lot. It took away the right hand for most of the fight. And I think it absolutely killed him. It killed the fight. He really couldn't do anything in this fight. And look, fair play to Mike Perry. He won it. He he, he looked more refined than he ever has before. Uh, and, he, and he looked good. He picked him apart pretty well. But it this this... It was, it was look. It was a good fight, you know. There was blood and guts and everything, and it, it it was it was fun. But to me, it was just like a little bit disappointing because I was expecting it to be a really good matchup, and it just it just kind of it, it was disappointing a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was. It was I still really enjoyed it, but I think it would have been a much better fight if Felder was, hadn't injured himself early. Um, but there was still a lot of action in the fight, and it, it was still a really close fight. Like uh, I think. It was it was it was twenty nine twenty eight for for Perry, but it it was that third round was close enough. Like you know, the, Felder landed his big shots as well. But I think even though cosmetic damage doesn't doesn't score in the in the system, I think the amount of cosmetic damage must have played into the judges' hands or into the judges' eyes as well. And it's only natural, but yeah, I don't think there's any complaints from Felder uh, or, or from Felder sorry, Felder fans about the decision because it was so it, it was a close fight, and he did you have to come through adversity and he kind of showed uh he showed a bit of steel that uh you kind of thought he had but you know until until somebody does break their arm or i don't know if the actual um i think he said in his corner he broke his arm but i don't know if the actual scan has come back or if there's any news on that but mm-hmm. he definitely was a badly injured arm anyway so uh it's obviously very difficult when you're trying to grapple and when you're trying to strike with with somebody uh when you have a compromised arm Mm-hmm, 100%. And the other two fights in on the main card, it was funny, they were both they were won in different ways, but they were both won in the same way. They were both won by countering a kick. Uh, Kelly Roundtree countered a, a low kick of Gokan Saki, hit him straight up the middle, knocked him out. Um, Anthony Pettis countered a kick of Michael Chiesa, hit him, knocked him down, and ended up uh, submitting him then with a triangle chalk after after uh, Chiesa got on top. For Pettis, like a lot of people are saying, this was the best uh, Anthony Pettis performance of in a long time. Pettis is back and all, but I, I don't think. Well, I think it was uh, look. He I, he was obviously better on the feet. He was he was doing less um, st- stalling on the fence as he does a lot of time, which he said beforehand that he wasn't doing, and that was good. But other than that, I this is what Anthony Pettis is. You know, he's, we talked about it last week. We said he's going to hit you on the feet, be hard, and if it gets on the ground, be very good at trying to submit you. And this is what he is. I don't think this is, you know, I don't think this was like some re-coming, uh, coming out of, of Anthony Pettis. No, I know what people are saying. Uh, there was flashes of the kind of the recklessness and the just, oh, fuck it, I'll throw it, no matter how ridiculous mm-hmm. the strike is, uh, that he'd kind of lost. Maybe it was... I don't think it, he has. You don't think he... You don't think he... No, I think he always said that. I just... <laughs> I think he, this is what he is. I think, like, he, you know, he was better because he didn't stall against the cage. But that was like the only thing he was—he was just giving up the wrestling rather than trying to wrestle. You know, and I, I think that's good. I think you know he was him working the body hard with yeah. the with the kicks again, like he used to. He was he, he was throwing uh, kicks and knees that maybe he when he's fighting somebody who he's 
afraid of getting wrestled or he's already been wrestled for five or ten minutes that he doesn't throw anymore. Maybe it's more of a it's more of a Pettis has still always been the same fighter, but he's just been fighting higher level of competition than Michael Cases. So he hasn't been able to he hasn't been able to he hasn't he's felt he hasn't been able to risk these uh high high uh risk maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Well maybe yeah he you know he looked looser he did look he looked better but it's it's it's, it's <laughs> this is what Anthony Pettis is like he still got taken down you know he still got backed up he still couldn't circle around the fighter and not get backed up you know he still couldn't make it a, a total striking matchup he he couldn't do that like so to me he hasn't changed he's still an unbelievable striker who can knock you out and throw wild things. And when he gets in the ground, he's even a better submission artist. I think he's absolutely brilliant off his back, brilliant guard. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. People kind of coming around to the way of it now that he's like, I think he's a submission fighter more than he is a, a striker now. And I like, I love Anthony Pettis when he's at his best and I absolutely hate him when he's at his worst because he's so annoying because he, he can do things like this. You know, he can throw these wild strikes. He can get these brilliant submissions. And it's just so frustrating to see him at times when he does stall against the cage and, you know, like Eddie Alvarez fight, spend like 10 minutes of a 15 minute fight up against the cage. And the, the fact that he's got that out of his game or it looks like anyway mean, for this fight yeah. at least is, is a brilliant thing. It is very like, good. Do you think it was just like he didn't respect Michael Chiesa as much as he did the other guys and uh, because he jumped a guillotine on, on Chiesa which he, you said as you said he stalls up against the cage he's usually trying to get not taken down and end up on his back mm-hmm. uh, early at all costs but he was more than happy to jump a guillotine and then try to work a triangle try to work an armbar you know get back up and then obviously he finished he finished in the end with it. I thought Chiesa tapped in the Triangle and then in the armbar as well, like the yeah, ref. He tapped twice, yeah. Was slow. I thought he tapped three times in total. He kind of did one tap and then he did double tap and then he tapped again. I, yeah. but, I think for for Pettis, it's more. He, and they said on the commentary that he's decided just he'd be a striker when he's a striker and then he'll be a grappler when he's a grappler and he'd just stop wrestling, which I think is really smart. You know, and I kind of said that after his last fight, if anyone's listening to this podcast, that he should do that or or go like full wrestling, try to take someone down rather than being a defensive wrestler. Just give up the defensive wrestling because it's not working for you. All it's doing is stalling and that's what guys want to do. You know, the blueprint to beat Anthony Pettis is take him up against defense, stall him, put him on the ground, stall him. But, it, you know, if he leads the takedown, if like most strikers and stuff like that, you're, you'd be saying, oh, don't pull guard, you know, don't don't do that don't stall like that but for anthony pettis like pull guard just don't stall against the fence you know that that's what kills anthony pettis you know and if he can keep doing this i think it's good but people will find a way of still stalling him you know they will get those underhooks against the fence because he can still be pushed back i don't like uh, this is good for anthony pettis i think if he can change things up and keep doing that it, it's good but you know i don't think he's going to be going in beating Habib Nurmagomedov anytime soon although you know he might i, I def- yeah, that wouldn't rule Pettis out in that fight. You know, Pettis is like dangerous everywhere. Like, uh, he's 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 a very talented guy. Like, but as you said, is his wrestling like the Habib matchup is isn't 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 good for him. But it's possible he could land up a huge body kick or something and compromise Habib early, and he could like would I be all that surprised if he could manage to fish a submission out against Habib? Not not really. Like you know. Mm. He is that crafty, like you know. He's <clears throat> I talked about it on last week. He's submitted guys who've never been submitted before, like early and easily, like Gil Melendez and uh, Benson Henderson. You know, uh, really good guys who've been like Benson Henderson's been stuck in some seriously bad situations yeah. with armbar triangles, chokes, and he's always toughed them out, always got out of them. And he tapped really quick there. He knew that was fucking on and that was going to break his arm, and he tapped. Hundred mm-hmm, percent. 
All right, let's move on uh, to the undercard. There was there was three decisions. Uh, Rafael Lessons so again putting himself right in the the title picture. Drakkar close land of Anata. not not maybe the classic we thought. And Curtis Melinda, Max Griffin as well. Paulo Costa though, what about that? He was that fight with Uriah Hall was was funny shit, wasn't it? He got the he got the finish in the end. This guy is he's a legit kind of prospect, didn't he? In in middleweight when we don't really have that many of them. Yeah, he he took a few big shots from Roy Hall as well. Like, and he proved he has a chin as well. So uh, uh, Roy Hall hits hard. Like, I know, I know he's got some kind of maybe the, the mental side of the game is maybe more Roy Hall's problem than his his uh, actual skill set. But um, Costa just got in his face and pushed him back and didn't really have any fear for like a lot of the people who fought Roy Hall after after he was on the Ultimate Fighter kind of seemed to fight a bit wary of him and worried about his kicks and worried about getting highlight reels, but Paulo Costa wasn't. He was just doing his game and uh, backed himself to to his skill set, and it, it was a brilliant performance. And uh, Okay, maybe Roy Hall isn't a top-level guy, but he's a guy people know. There was, there was a good bit of hype around him and the, the ultimate fighter, like uh, that clip of him um, knocking out Adam Sella like, really badly went around a lot. Like uh, A lot of people who, who are casual fa- uh, friends or casual fans or friends of mine w- would know who Roy Hall is. So that, that's, a, that's a good win, and we'll, we'll, I'll be interested to see him in, uh, in the kind of higher top 10. Yeah, 100%. Uriah Hall did very well at the start of that fight to use his jab, and he used it unbelievably well, but then Paulo Costa just upped the output, and he basically uh, took the fight from there. He hits really hard, and he, you know, he looks he looks good. Uh, I actually didn't see the Daniel Hooker fight uh, yet. Did you see that one against Gilbert? Yeah, Hall? yeah. Yeah, Tell Hooker me. just beat the shit out of him. Uh, he just looks phenomenal at, Unbelievable. at lightweight. Mm. That lightweight division is so fucking stacked, though. Like, as good as Daniel Hooker looks, like if you look at the top of that division, like I don't think he's, I don't think he's beating any of them guys. But he's improving, so maybe, maybe in a, in a few fights' time or in a couple of years, he could be up at that level. Like Tony Ferguson, this? Tony Ferguson was kind of mid level for years. Oh, so yeah. was Rafael Desanos. A lot of guys like can can make big steps. What about Dan Hooker versus Anthony Pettis? Yeah, I definitely watch that. Make that happen, Sean Shelby. Give me your number. I'll ring you up. What about Dan Hooker versus James Vick? Yeah, James. Who's, James Vick is fighting Gaethje now, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, yeah, I'd watch that as well. Yeah, Gaethje versus so Pettis many, as well. So like many it. good matchups in the lightweight division. I was going to say, yeah, loads so of many. All right, let's move on to the the tough finale, and uh, I suppose the big Irish interest on, on the weekend. Obviously, with Brad Katona winning uh, winning the fucking ultimate fighter fighting out of SPG as well for play. Yeah. Really Dana White was smaller. ecstatic, wasn't he, when he was reading out that, uh, when he was giving them the award, he just fucking found it in completely. Yeah, and he didn't even turn up for the second one. Did you see that? He, just, he didn't even do it. He wasn't even there. <laughs> but uh, Richie Smullen has obviously a tough night against Luis Pena. Came in, started the fight very well, got a, big, got a big takedown, was looking good on the ground. Pena got up. Um, hit Smullen with a big right hand, I believe, knocked him down, hurt him, uh, and from there, you know, Richie Smullen kind of, you know, he was he was hurt on the ground, and uh, Pena was able to get get the the submission after that. It was look, it, it was one of those odd, not an odd fight, but he did well early when it got into the striking. It, it, there wasn't actually that much striking because he kind of hit him with the force punch. You know, it looked like you know one shot, and that was kind of the the fight over. But you know, Pena looks. Pena looks really good on the feet. We didn't see so much of him in this, but you know, we were talking about it last week in the house. He looked really good in his previous fights. I think he's a he's a huge prospect. But I still 
you know, if this was all you've seen of Richie Smullen, I think it, you know, it's a, a little bit unfair. You know, we saw him fight against Reese McKee in that draw, the unbelievable fight. You know, people, you know, he's, I, I don't think you could, you could call him chinny or anything like that after seeing that fight where he, you know, had a lot of shots. I think Pena just hits very hard and Pena was, you know, the better man than I. I think he's maybe a little, fur, little bit further along in his development uh, and he looks, uh, you know, he looks a really good fighter, but it was a disappointing night, wasn't it, for, uh, for Richie Smullen? Yeah, it was, it was. It was going well. It seemed to be going well. And a lot of people were talking about this guy being really good on the feet and maybe lacking on the ground. But he did well to just kind of not give up anything too big when Smullen was on top and get back to his feet, obviously. And then he, he backed his own jiu-jitsu when he had Richie Smullen badly hurt uh, on the feet. He backed, he, instead of going for ground and pound, he, the guillotine was there and he, he backed himself and took it. So he's obviously been working hard on, on, on his game, like since, even since the Ultimate Fighter, because it, it seemed like a lot of the... In the promo videos, a lot of the people, people, uh, a lot of contestants on Dilma Fighter were saying that if they did hit the ground, that it was that it was over for for Pena. But he's obviously a young guy in in, in his in his career. Like all these guys on this undefeated season are, are, are young young in their career, and uh, he he looks like he could be a, a prospect to watch. One hundred percent. And in the main event, um, Fra- uh, Francis, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Israel Adesanya took on Brad Tavares, and this this was the matchup. And I mentioned Francis because he was in my mind because you know coming into this fight, I think us and a lot of people were saying this was a, a step too far too soon. Like we said, he could definitely win the fight, but why why are you doing this? And obviously he went out and win it. And then a lot of people were saying, "Oh, we were wrong," but I don't think we were wrong. You know, we weren't wrong. And I think if you look at Francis and Ganon the next fight. The next night, that's why we weren't wrong because you know when so- someone has moved like that too quickly, and even when you're excited about him, I, you know I was calling for Francis to get a title fight. I won't lie about it, but that's because he's team sheet not. But I, regardless, you know when you move these guys too quickly into those situations, okay, it can go good, it can go very well, but it can go wrong as well. You know, like if if he had been pushed up against the fence and taken down and ruined, you know, he could have ruined him. Like Steve has looked like he's ruined. Francis in Gano, you know, it's. I just don't think those things are right to do. I think you need to give these lads time when they, when you know, when they're at that stage of career, their career, move them up. Um, you know, you know, one step at a ladder at the time. But beside that point, what an unbelievable performance! You know, he did so well uh, against Brad Tavares. He didn't let Tavares get in close to him. He didn't let him push him against the fence. Uh, I thought the first round. I actually thought Tavares won the first round just because he landed a little bit more. Was landing a little bit harder. But Adesanya was kind of. You could see that he was he was winning. You know, he. I think Tavares won because he landed harder shots. But you could see uh, Adesanya was a better fighter. You could see he was more technical. You could see he was going to kind of up the up the ante, up the pace as the fight went. I thought he did very well. His jab, his kicks, he you know he changed things up uh, an awful lot. Three and four shots landing at all times. Tavares is a an iron chin. He kept going unbelievably well. But yeah, unbelievable chin. He took and, and he took some serious fucking body shots as well. He's just a tough, tough, tough guy. Yeah, like this Adesanya as well. Like his last fight, you know, against uh, Daniel Vittori, I believe it was. You know, he got taken down at the end of uh, uh, in the third round, I believe. I haven't seen it in a while, but after that, there was a lot of talk about, oh, you know, this is a a big issue in his game. But like, I I think people didn't look at the first two rounds or first round and a half where he defended the takedowns really well, and you know, I thought it was more of a, a cardio issue or or a you know. Like, <sighs> Uh, maybe a mental issue a little bit but now after coming out of this i think he is you know maybe him moving up to a five round fight was the best thing he could have done he had to up that cardio he had to get more confident in himself and he looked like that you know in the fifth round he was still going strong you know and he, he was still beating 
Tavares up well. You know, I had him winning uh, 49-45. I think the second or third round uh, was a 10-8. He was just beating him up. And, you know, it was... In hindsight, I was obviously, you know, it was a, it was a coming of age for uh, for Israel Adesanya, and I, I, you know, himself, Paulo Costa in that middleweight division. Now, middleweight has been a terrible division for years and years. You know, we have the one, the odd prospect coming through, like a Chris Weidman, or you know, like I suppose Luke Rockhold, and uh, was never really a prospect in the UFC because he came from strike force. But you know, other divisions like we talked about lightweight, there you can see ten prospects coming through, but. In middleweight, that's never been the case. The fact that we have two big ones here coming through, and you know, we Fabian Edwards as well, who's hopefully going to be coming through. I think he, uh, uh, big things of him as well, and a couple more guys as well. It's looking, it's looking like it could be an exciting time over the next couple of years, isn't it, for middleweight? Yeah, it's definitely as you said. It's been a very stale division for a long time. Um, Anderson Silva was was just beating the shit out of everybody, embarrassing everybody in the division for for years, and then Weidman had that little kind of stint where where he he beat the uh, he beat. Um, he beat Munoz, I think, without Munoz landing a punch, and then he beat Anderson Silva twice. He beat the he beat the snot out of fucking Mark Munoz. But then he took such a beating uh, when he lost his belt to, to Rockhold that I don't think he's ever been the same. Uh, Herb Dean kind of I think it was Herb Dean kind of let him down in that fight, and his corner let him down. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think uh, it's hard to know if it's affected his career. Maybe this would have happened anyway, but I I think it has. Mm-hmm, understand. Uh, all right, let's move on to to next week's card. And I, I actually, as well on th- last Thursday night, I believe uh, PFL had a good card. Jake Shields lost uh, to Roy Cooper, I believe it is. Uh, it was really good display. Yeah, the third was a really good display by Cooper. I was watching it, and it's actually very good as well. If you're not doing anything on Thursday night, it's over on Facebook. If you're in Ireland and you can watch it for free over there, Be- Bellator, could you fucking do that? Maybe. Um, but yeah, it was it, that was a, a pretty good card as well. There was I think we talked about their card as well last week. You know they're they're doing uh, they're doing good things good things to PFL. So it's it's good to give and give them a mention. And speaking of of the World Series of Fighting PNF PFL, we've uh, Bigal Ayanov versus Junior Dos Santos in the in the heavyweight division. A big fight as well, isn't it for Junior Dos Santos coming in here top the card after his suspension that wasn't a suspension. It's you know a bit of a break for Junior Santos mightn't have been the worst thing in the world in hindsight. And I know he wouldn't have wanted that break, but he's a guy who's taken a lot of damage, maybe a little bit of time to recover. And this is a big fight for him as well, isn't it? Yeah, this is a big fight. Like uh, if he loses this, he kind of, uh, I think his days at the top fighting for the belt and stuff are probably, are probably over. Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan off, like uh, it's hard to know where he is. You know he's yeah. been fighting. He's been fighting Bellator, World Series of Fighting, um, PFL. I think once. Now he's coming. Like he's fought some good guys. Like he's fought Sean Jordan. who used to be in the UFC, and he beat him. And I think he knocked him out in the first round. Um, he he lost a, a Volkov. He was choked by Volkov, which was kind of worrying. I don't think Volkov is very good on the ground. Um, I can't remember what happened in that fight. Though maybe he was badly rocked when that happened, and it was what four years ago as well so uh it was a long time ago and he's been on a good streak one one two three four five five wins since then but this is a big step up in competition and as you said if if junior de santos has been resting and not beat getting in gym wars and beating the shit out of each other in in the gym as uh a lot of uh, brazilian camps are known for hopefully he's uh he's been resting his, his chin and recovering and working on his game and if he has, I think this should be an easy night for him. But I think he might be shop worn. I think he's another guy who took too big a beating in the came the two the the second came Velasquez fight and the third came Velasquez fight, especially the second came Velasquez fight. Um, I don't think he's ever recovered from that either. 
Yeah, 100%. But it should be a good fight. Looking forward to, to seeing that. This card is actually pretty good. Dennis Bermudez versus Rich Glenn Sage, Narcot Zakato, uh, Miles Jory versus Chad Mendez. It's a fantastic fight uh, as well. Katzengan and Marion Renault. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how Chad Mendez looks. Uh, mm-hmm. Has he been out hunting or has he been training what he's been suspended? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. interesting to see what he looks like as well because it's been it's been what three years nearly since he was since he fought McGregor and was knocked out and then took a fight way too quickly against Frankie Edgar and was, was knocked out again like you know, that was ill advised but he's had a lot of rest since then and hopefully he uh, it'd be nice to have uh, another contender in that division and another matchup for Holloway yeah, 100% but I, I think Miles Jury is a good fighter as well I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't make. I wouldn't say that was a, a surefire win for Chad Mendes by any means. I think he's been improving an, an awful lot as well. You know, he's one of these these new breed kind of guys and moving down to featherweight. I think was a good decision for him as well. So I'm I'm really looking forward to as you know, as you said there, Chad Mendes is one of those guys who's known for like not being in the gym and stuff. So if two years, you know, might be the the best uh, job for him. But speaking of featherweight contenders, Darren Elkins as well against uh, Alexander Volkanovski, who looks a real real prospect. And you know, this is this is a you know, a tough fight for 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 Elkins, despite the fact he's on a, a six fight win streak, and you know should be in title contention. But he's Darren Elkins, so he probably <laughs> probably he's in the middle of a fucking uh, a fight night card, which is which is very odd. It's weirdly low, yeah. It's on the prelims, uh, not even the prelim main event. Like uh, Eddie Wineland, I think, and uh, Perez is the. Uh, I don't know. Some of these lineups are, are very strange. Yeah, uh, Justin Scoggins as well versus Saeed Nurmagomedov. That should be a that should be a good fight. At least Carmouche and Jennifer Maya as well on the undercard. You know, there's a lot of a lot of good fights in this. So well, uh, well worth a watch, as they say. All right, let's move on, and we'll fire through a, a lot of questions here. Uh, thanks everyone who signed up for Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Severe My podcast is like four euro ten cent a month. Price of a pint a month. I imagine if you met me out now once a month, would you buy me a pint? You probably would. So just go up to Patreon and do the exact same thing uh, and sign I think up. Niles milked everybody dry with all the, the uh, severe points. Yeah, it was actually funny. Hold on, let me see if I can get this question up. Someone asked uh, like a question. Um, <laughs> hold on, where was it? Wait, 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 wait. Um, yeah, here we go. From uh, Craig Condon. Does Niall McGrath need to lighten up a bit on the whole DC Brock thing? You guys think maybe he just needs to get laid? <laughs> and they tag Niall and he goes, I'm far from the only one. It was pathetic. Bottom line. <laughs> I love how Niall bites and all these things. Absolutely hilarious. But you can't help yeah. yourself. People definitely need to lighten up. Like, what? Why is this pathetic? Like, because they had a bit of crack. Like, it was a bit of fun. What's wrong? Why? why like, if you had like a dead black heart, just get over. Like, it's a bit of crack. Well, it's not McGrath. In fairness, dead black heart will, will be a good description. It actually, it actually would. In fairness, it would. I think uh, you just put like slash Man United fan, and it just explains everything. I'm not, I'm not like that though. Yeah, I know, but like Niall's one of these season. He's a proper fan. Yeah, get a season ticket and stuff. You don't even bother going to games ever. He he loves he loves telling people he used to have a season ticket, doesn't he? And he loves posting that picture of him with long hair. You know, and he was like forty-eight. You know, like twenty years ago. But uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. let's move on. Simon Dark. His, 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 his rugby career. His rugby career. Yeah, he's I had a rugby career as well. I used to play in school. But uh, yeah, he would have been a professional, but just like it in the way, you know. A knee injury. Yeah, I tried with Crystal Palace. Uh, Simon, <laughs> Simon Darty. Say Brock DC gets booked and Connor Habib gets. Booked on the same night, Connor B <laughs> still the main event, right? Yeah, well, that's Not never going to happen. That, like, that's but, be, yeah. yeah, McGregor is the biggest star ever in the history of of the uh, UFC. So yeah, that would definitely be main event, but that's not happening. Uh, how far do you reckon Khalil Roundry can go in the light heavyweight division? Um, not that far. I don't think he's that good, but Gokansaki is absolutely terrible. You know, people acting like Gokansaki is this legit fighter. He's a footboxer. Like, will you people get over it, please? Like, footboxer. 
He is like he's not. He's we not played about two minutes of cardio as well. He got football. No, he, two two fights in a row. He's been beaten up. Like the first fight, he was beaten up by a jiu-jitsu guy, and now he's beaten up by like um, you know, lower level UFC fighter. He's been knocked out by him. Like, what do what do, what else do people want? Like, okay, he might improve, but uh, he's like he's old. He's had someone said he had ninety kickboxing fights. Yeah, this this ship has sailed. This is just not going to work for him. But uh, fair play to him. Yeah. Uh, Jacko one two two one. How would you feel if DC went on to WWE to hype up the fight? Yeah, this is an interesting one because I wouldn't care. I think it'd be funny, but I think a lot of people would would absolutely hate this. Imagine if DC uh, turned up Monday Night Raw Monday to hype this. Like, fight up. I don't think like people who don't watch pro wrestling like wouldn't see it, and so it's it's not going to. Uh, like Everyone watches pro wrestling. Every MMA fan is just either a pro wrestling fan or a pro wrestling fan in hiding. I have always believed that. <laughs> All right, well, that, like that's realistic though. <laughs> it, it's it, it's gonna it's like it's gonna be it's gonna be probably very unlikely that Vince will want to do that. But you never know. Like the the UFC have kind of uh, I don't know what the situation is. Maybe the, maybe Vince does owe Dana one with the UFC allowing Ronda to turn up on before she even had a, a WWE contract on TV while she was UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, contracted and letting her go to WWE, I think was probably was probably a decision probably had to or that she had to be probably granted the the, the release or whatever or the permission to sign with WWE from from Dana or from Endeavor. So uh, maybe maybe the road one and maybe maybe they will promote this fight a bit if it does get made or when it gets announced when they have a date and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, why not? Like you know that audience is is has come before for Brock Lesnar, so why not try to bring them again? Yeah, and like pro wrestling and MMA are one hundred percent interlinked as well. Like let's be honest, but even look at this weekend, Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar. They're, they both have a contract with the UFC still. They both have a contract with WWE. Josh Barnett, former UFC champion, was with the UFC until last week. He was in New Japan the last day, doing an angle, doing the commentary. He was in the ring in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, there's three former UFC champions there in pro wrestling all on one weekend. Like, uh, Bobby Lashley as well. He still has a contract with Bellator. He's in WWE now. Like, it's, they're so interlinked. I think people need to realize that they're interlinked. Like, this is not some new thing. This is... This has always been the you case. Forgot, you wrestling. the greatest of all time, CM Punk. CM Punk, exactly. Yeah, like two weeks ago. <laughs> there you go, CM Punk, absolute legend. Dave Batista, unbeaten MMA fighter, actor, pro wrestler, just all around. Remember, do you remember that fight he had? That was hilarious. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. Who was better? Who was better? Who was worse? Him or CM Punk? Oh, CM Punk was way worse. Yeah. At least like, Dave Batista could wrestle, like amateur yeah. wrestle. Yeah, no, well, he's a legit. Um, ground guy as well he owns like he's on jiu-jitsu school and stuff yeah. i think he's but he was getting I, I the shit kicked out of him on the feet by some random fat guy and then yeah. he just got a takedown and managed to I think, I think he just managed to stench it out for a while and then got a tko yeah uh thomas Lenny, does the whole dc brock money grab put a dampener on last night's achievement no i think it makes it better no. yeah. it, was, it was hilarious this is probably yeah, fighting was... and they're trying to uh, yeah people need to stop worrying about this stuff just watch the fights and enjoy the fights and don't worry about all this shit Exactly. Jack Durgis. I know Sean loves a bit of pro wrestling, but how embarrassing was all that shit in the cage after a minute last night? It wasn't, well, it wasn't embarrassing. It was, like, why are people so, oh, I'm embarrassed. What are you embarrassed about, like? What's, what's embarrassing about it? Daniel Cormier had great crack. Brock Lesnar had great crack. They're going to, both going to make loads of money. It went viral. People enjoyed it. You know, if you don't like this, realize this, and I think this is a really important thing for people to realize. If you don't like this, you are in the minority. The majority of people like this. The majority of people 
will eat this up. This is millions of views on YouTube and on Twitter and everything. People I think even a lot of people who don't say they like it do like it as well. 100%. Yeah, 100%. A lot of people just don't really think about it. Oh, this was fake. I don't like that. They're like, why do you not like it? I go, oh, because it was fake. I was like, but it's not just a bit of crack. Like, well, yeah. Oh, what the fuck are you talking about? It's all like, just get over it. People annoy me. Uh, Jack Dorges, more <laughs> panned crowd. Oh, yeah. Th this was a thing Jack Dorges asked, actually, and I didn't really notice it, but he's an actor and obviously would know these sort of things. Maybe you would as well because you're a world-class film producer. More canned, <laughs> more canned crowd noise pumped in on the broadcast. Did you guys clock it when they announced the winner of Ingano Lewis? Did you see that? I didn't notice that, no, but uh, I don't know if it was canned, but it does make sense. Like sometimes the the, the acoustics are, are bad, and the even when it it was loud when you were there, it doesn't seem that loud at, at home. So, like the, I think Bellator historically do uh, have done a better job of of micing the cage and micing the crowd and mm -hmm. doing that stuff. So I'm not sure if it was canned or if it was just that where they're turning up the the section of the crowd that that's going that's like supporting supporting the fighter or maybe even his family and friends and stuff. But uh, no, I didn't notice that it was canned. Yeah, that was like, you know, the time UFC Dublin as well. You know, a lot of people who were there the night McGregor fought Brando, you know, were saying this was one of the best UFC events that's ever happened. I was ever at and all. But the people at home were like, oh, what are you talking about? It was like, it was just electric. You know, if you were there, if you were in the, the crowd, I think people could kind of sense it. But, you know, it's, it, it's hard to get these things across sometimes. And maybe that's, they are trying to get things across, so maybe that's why they do it. But yeah, that is a, that is a bit weird. And last one in from Patreon before we get to Twitter. What's worse, a team like Germany or Spain waiting for an opposing defense to organize before crossing the ball in, or an MMA fighter rocking the opponent immediately, uh, and wrecking opponents and immediately grappling with them? I, I think the soccer one. Like, I can understand in MMA, oh, it happened. Who did it happen with? It happened with someone at the weekend anyway, when they, when they rock them. And, uh, like if you just use your shit, if like Brian Ortega has Frankie Edgar rocked and and the regular is falling, falling to the ground and gives him his back like you jump on his back and you choke him like you know yeah, yeah. do whatever is Remember available Don Cerrone did it really well once you know he knocked someone down uh, and and submitted him was it, the Brazil, was it Alex Oliveira or someone like that I don't know so he, he did it to someone anyway um, fake cowboy versus fake cowboy yeah that was the one but yeah I think yeah I, I don't see anything uh, anything wrong with that also we <laughs> Jesus we almost forgot it and but Mr. Podge asked about it here how long could Max Holloway be out of it? We nearly forgot about fucking Max Holloway. Ah, uh, here. Well, I actually um, put it in the topics there earlier. You dope. Did. Why didn't you fucking bring it up so? I never liked you. Well, I was gonna. All right. Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Uh, I just hope Max is all right. Like, it, it looked really bad. Like, it, it looked like he might have had, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just speculating here, but, like, maybe he had some, like, tiny stroke or something. His face was fucking weird looking. Yeah. And he was, like, slurring his words and... If that's a concussion, that's a really bad concussion. And if that's a re if he got really badly concussed, like what is his team doing trying to get him into that fight? Like what's going on there? Like you know, something weird is going on there. And a lot of people are just like, oh, who's going to replace when or when's he fighting or who's going to replace him on the card or when is the fight going to be scheduled? But like this could be like this could be a while for Max Holloway. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be jumping back in there anytime soon if I was Max Holloway at all. I'd be fucking making getting tests all over the place and making sure. Making sure that, like, when, when, like, Bisping's doing a job there, like, asking questions on Fox Sports, or whatever, straight away he's like, Here, what's wrong with you there? Something yeah. wrong with you. You know, he just knew something was wrong with him. Like, and his team and his family and around him or whoever's over there with him must have known there was something wrong with him. Like, and they tried to try to get him to fight. Like, he was about to start a weight cut in that condition, or he'd already started a weight cut in that condition. That is, that is bad. That's yeah. bad. It, it's weird as well because 
I don't, you need I, your team to help you. Like these yeah. fighters aren't going to pull out of fights. They're not going to pull out of fights by themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like an NFL guy. If you ask him, are you concussed? He's going to say no because he wants to fucking go back in. So that's why they have these doctors come and say, "Here, mate, you, you're fucking on TIA or, or or not TIA, whatever it is. You're on. You're you're out of the game because you're concussed. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to admit that. The team probably half the time aren't going to admit it if you're an important part of the team. And obviously. Max Holloway's like the main guy. It's not, it's not a team sport. You have a team around you, but he's the main guy, and you need people looking after you. And I, that 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 uh, like you, I'd be worried about Max Holloway here. Yeah, and all I can think of is thank God that he did that interview with Bisping, and Bisping called him out because fair play to Michael Bisping. I think like Michael yeah. Bisping did a thing a lot of journalists probably wouldn't do, and and you know fair a hundred percent fair play to you know. Okay, the fight fell out. It was all it was disappointing and all, but this we need you have to be, you know, you have to have safety for us. Like weird thing about this is what it like I didn't hear, I don't know if you heard it. Like I, I haven't heard anyone talking about like Max Holloway getting knocked out in training or something like this. Like if he got like knocked out last week and he had concussion symptoms still, be like, okay, that's understandable. But I I haven't heard that, like, which is worrying. I saw somewhere I saw somewhere as well, which is also worrying that his team said he hadn't even started his weight cut. And I think that's, that's like if it was Waco related, you can maybe understand something gone wrong. But if it wasn't Waco related, it's even worse. If they didn't know he was concussed somehow and he's that badly concussed, apparently they tried to wake him up and he couldn't. They couldn't wake him up for ages. And then when he woke up, he didn't know what the fuck was going on and couldn't speak properly. And like that is fucking bad. Like you know, and uh, like even like you got Biz been calling him out. You got like you see when like you know people fall out of fights all the time. You don't see. Conor McGregor going my thoughts and respects or whatever yeah. with 145 pound world champion Max Max Holloway or whatever whatever it was a real sincere and even giving them the credit of the the belt that Conor never lost and usually mm-hmm. would say yeah. it just shows how serious people are taking it. fighters who like yeah. Bisping and, and Conor who have who've been at the top level and been champions and know what's like and they're the ones who are concerned that would concern me as well that would add to my concern and it's, I think there was, someone put up a screenshot that said it was a deleted t- tweet from McGregor. But even if it was, I'm not sure if it was real or not. But even if it wasn't, what the tweet said was, "Oh, people think about the fight being out first before the health of the champion." I think that's a, actually an excellent point. That's, even yeah. if he didn't make like that. You know, we talked about it at, at the time. You know, we did a quick one over on Patreon when it ended. It's like, uh, look, thank God that he didn't go into that fight. He could have got hurt more. And I think that's people. You know, need to realize that there's there's a point, and I think Josh Gross made it as well. Like, you can be both. You can be disappointed the fight went out. And you can be, uh, you know, thankful that it's not happening because of Max Holloway. But I think you need to be both. You know, I, I don't think you can just be, you know, mad about the fight. You need to think about the health of these people. Like, they are human beings, after all. And I think, yeah. you know... Like, these people who are good, like, you know, there's a lot of Max Holloway fans out there, it seems. Like, people mm-hmm. are behind... But there, was not, there wasn't that much concern about him from, the, from, from what I saw. It was more, yeah. oh, when's they're going to rescheduled or who's going to step in or, oh, not again. He's fucking pulled out of these many fights or fucking joke. Mm-hmm. You know, uh... People like if you people don't like these fans aren't very loyal. A lot of these fans, these so-called yeah. fans, I, that is just the way. I, like we we even did it. I suppose like it's just it's kind of just the way uh, MMA is. Like and I suppose you know we I was just gonna probably do it right there. Like what is gonna happen next? It's it's tough to know. I, I, like I really want to see you know before we even bother talking about what is gonna happen with Max Holloway. How we see you know in, in two weeks time or whatever. And you know hopefully like hopefully it was him well, getting knocked out training a week ago or something. Yeah, if his team needs to make him sit out for a while here, they like just just sit out. Even if even if the UFC are like here, either take a fight or or stripping your belt, just sit here, take the belt. It's more mm-hmm. important. 
Yeah. All right, let's get into more of these questions. Mr. Podge, um, he quotes a tweet from Kevin Lee about 165 uh, pound division. Would 165 pounds not just mean fighters would still be walking into the cage and cutting down from 180 plus pounds? It would, yeah, 100%. Like, but the 15 pound gap is is big there. That 15 pound gap on yeah. that weight is, 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 it is like, I don't want more, I don't want more weight classes, but that one does it's kind the of only one. Sense. And I, don't, I really don't want them bringing in all these divisions, like maybe 195, like in the future. But I, I, that's a slippery slope when you start, like, I, there's already too many uh, divisions being added in the women's. I don't want them to see them do that with the men's. That's the only division you can add in the men's because there's enough talent there. And don't make it 165 as well, make it 162 or 163. You know, don't make it 165. Well, they're going to move the, the 170 to 175, I'd assume, and then make 184. Maybe. Well, that, that would be my assumption because there's already there's a big 15 pound ga- ga- gap between. Um, that's definitely going to cause more weight cutting in because people are not going to go up five pounds. They're going to go down five pounds. Like, we just know that. Yeah. You know? So if you want that, new weight classes are the worst thing that you could do to fix weight cutting, I think. Because people are just going to move down. They're just going to cut an extra five. Nobody's going to go Nobody's going to go up a little bit. Like, you know. Ah, people, some people will. Some people will go up a little few. bit. Yeah. Very few. Very yeah. few. Uh, Frogmore, will, uh, Wally Frogmore, uh, did uh, Israel versus Costa just book itself? Say that again, sorry. Israel Adesanya versus Costa. Is that a good no, no, don't make that. Don't make that. You need to yeah. keep these guys away from each other. Yeah. Uh, Andy Stevenson at Andy ST one two three friends of the podcast. Was Ngano versus Lewis the worst fight in UFC history? If not, then which? Oh, uh, no. Arlovsky was pretty bad. I always think of that one. Yeah, there was uh, just been some absolute stinkers. Um. Uh. Whew. It is up there, though. It is up there. Like, there's been a couple of Sean Strickland fights that have been. He's known for a fucking terrible fight as well. Um, it's up there, definitely. And no, nothing comes to mind as drastically worse. Like, it's definitely a contender for worst fight in the UFC recent history. Yeah, uh, Frankie the Tumper Super Boots ask about uh, basically what the fuck happened in, in Lewis versus Francie. Yeah, it was so weird. Oh, what did happen? Yeah, and then uh, Frankie asks well, how far the depths of mental strategy. It did seem that it didn't seem like this was like a mental strategy from Francie singing on. It just, it just did not work at all. Did it? it was just, it was so weird. Uh, Pat McGrine did Mike Perry cut the best MMA promo of all time? Which did he cut a promo after the fight? Maybe. I don't know, I've already forgotten it. So uh, yeah, if he did, so probably not the best promo of all time. Sean Dinny at Dinny Rant. Which Kiwi impressed you more? Style binder or hooker? Well I didn't see hooker, so what do you think? Ooh, um I think Hooker obviously got a finish, but we talked about it before the podcast or before the fight on the last podcast, how you I think you were picking against the uh, Stylebender. Yeah. You think it was too soon for him? You thought it was just like, Why are they doing this? It's just mm-hmm. back to bars gonna be able to take his shots and kind of weather the storm and drag him into deep waters nearly and Adesanya showed we learned a lot about uh Sawbender, I think. So it's different. It's just different. Yeah. Uh, at fight night fight night picks, is Paul Feller the toughest fighter in sports? Diego Sanchez would be my pick for that. <laughs> you love Diego Sanchez. I love Diego Sanchez. I really do. Um, the aliens are coming, Diego. The aliens yeah. are coming. Yeah. Uh does the UFC, from Barry O'Callaghan, does the UFC dilute itself even more, bringing in a seasoned drug cheat back from WWE to face the heavyweight champ? I think that the whole drug cheat, drug cheat getting a, a title fight is way more important of a talking point than him being a WWE superstar. Like, yeah, I think that's the weirdest thing of all this, but 
Well, it's, it's MMA, like these, it's a prize fighting. Like, yeah. mm. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how people don't understand this. Yeah. Uh, Lee the bold at Lee underscore the underscore tweeter for the longest time the UFC tried to make itself a legitimate sport but in the last few years we've seen them add some theatrics to great success do you think this benefits the sport long term or alienates hardcore fans that that didn't happen like as I said again short fandom or short memories there's always been these theatrics Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz I will beat you into a living death. He threw a chair at him in the in the press conference. Like, CM Punk just fucking got to shake it at him twice, and nobody's even cares. Nobody's everybody's forgotten about it already. Yeah, because he made no, you know, he wasn't roaring and shouting. He wasn't getting promos and stuff. You know, people didn't care about it, and you know, different things like that. Uh, here in Settlin, what is wrong with a world that Derek Lewis keeps winning? Yeah, it's so odd, isn't it? It's so yeah. Odd. Well, he yeah, just has like cast a hoodoo over his opponents and just like makes them absolutely shit. Yeah, he's. I think he'd like a, a voodoo doll in the background or something just before all these fights. It just like stabs him. Yeah, and maybe that back, that back thing is some kind of like weird. He's pretending to have a back injury, but he's sending some weird energy or something. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, Emma McLean, what's, what's the most cringiest thing the UFC ever concocted with DC? Was that the most uh, cringiest thing they've ever concocted? Uh, seen better acting in Fair City? Um, well, uh, there's like, been well, a lot more cringy. Fair City is pretty fucking poor, let's be honest. The cringiest thing ever was Ricardo Lamas and Conrad McGilligotti. That was the cringiest thing. Oh my thing. god! Actually, the UFC didn't that. do that, but yeah, that was that was like a twenty-minute fucking video or something as well. It was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, Eamon uh, as well asked about should the should the media kick up more of a fuss about the guy who just got popped in his last fight and gets the next title shot next? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think like I think that that is fair. But I also think, as you mentioned earlier, it is prize fighting. That's why they're doing it. He's serving his ban. So, you know, how much can you actually? Um, can you actually say Dan Mack asked a similar question uh, and he also asked, uh, did we just get ourselves an interim uh, type at 205? Um, could, yeah, could there be an interim title now at 205 if DC stays and he fights Brock next? I think, I think it all yeah. depends on it all depends on um, what the fuck's going on with Cain Velasquez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a good point. Uh, Gustafson is fighting someone. He was booked against the fight. Was it or someone? Or yeah, Come back to me when he's was. actually in the cage. Like Gustafsson. That's a good point. Uh, Nick today, and what's next for Uriah Hall? Dana said he was pleased with him, uh, but he could get caught. So doubts he, get, doubts he gets caught. Did he yeah, kind of give up? Uh, did he kind of give up at the end? Do you think? Um, geez, I what exactly happened at the end again? I can't remember. I've seen so many. He kind of just dropped to down on his uh, feet in position and kind of just. Do you know who did give up? Fucking Gokan Saki. That man was grand when he hit the ground, and he just turtled up and decided to lose. He, he gave up. I didn't notice that. He did, yeah. Uh, Farrell Connolly, will Bellator be in Ireland before the end of the year? Should Felder stay at 170? I don't think Bellator will be in Ireland. I think Bammer, Bammer coming, obviously, that was announced last week in, in December. I don't think Bellator, but I want to win over the seventh the five months, maybe. But yeah, I don't think so. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I think, yeah, no, I think Felder should, yeah, I don't know. Felder can, can do short notice fights at 170, but I think he should go back to 155. Yeah. Um, Andy Stevenson will Aston fight for a title in the next 18 months I think he will I don't think he will because I think the UFC don't want a really grinding John Fitch type guy even though he's better than John Fitch uh, way better um, he just doesn't makes people look shit um, and his fights aren't that great especially yeah. to, to casual fans I agree but I think he'll eventually win so many fights and make people so many oh, people look bad that yeah that he'll he'll get in there uh andy up the darts who wins andy loves mma who wins dc or kane 
DC because Kane just uh, so injured and he looked absolutely horrific. Uh, Cardio Kane, as they were hy- they were hoping him to be, he looked absolutely horrific in, uh, in his last fight. Uh, mm-hmm. he, just until he proves it again, I'd have to go with DC. Yeah, uh, Patrick asks, does Anthony Pettis has Anthony Pettis closed some holes in his game, or did Michael Gessen not take advantage of them? I think he did close the clinch hole in his game, but the other holes in his game still exist. So, must mm, yet to be seen. Like I don't think Michael Gessen is anywhere near top level. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Ross Hannon, what's next for Stipe? I think Curtis Blades fight Blades fight mm. makes sense next, but he got knocked out heavy. Yeah, as wait a while. Like, like you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. AC eighty four eighty is Habib versus Connor on for this year. Graham, what do you think? This court case. How long is this court case going to drag on in New York? Um, it, it just depends on that. I think. Uh, I think the UFC really want to make this matchup before the end of the year. So, if the UFC really wants something to happen and really needs something to happen, though, they'll, they'll probably offer the. the money to both of the guys that will that will make it happen but i think this court case is 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 uh holding things up if um, he's kind of dana's kind of said in interviews or here we'll, i'll talk to connor when when this is sorted about a fight and audio tar said at uh connor's manager said at the the original hearing in new york that uh we're focusing on on getting this court case sorted and then we'll then we'll talk to the ufc Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in a sports uh, a couple of weeks we know. I think it will happen this year. So there you go. Uh Brian McLaughlin, is Francie officially off of Teen Sheehan? No, I'll give him one more uh, I'll give him one more fight and then we'll uh, we'll see after that. Um Kenny asks, would a, a light heavyweight division full of all lads like Tino Rashad, Chuck Vanderlei uh be better than the ones the division we have at the moment? Would people no. be interested more? Uh no. Mm, yeah, no. No. Uh Couple more here. What's the best? Or is the worst or best? What's the MMA best MMA promo you've ever seen? Let's say that from up the last. So I think uh, you absolutely suck by Chelsea Hannon. Has to be the best one. <laughs> that was pretty funny, in fairness. Was, the, uh, the, the, the the Nate Diaz, you taking everything I got, motherfucker. Was pretty good. Yeah, that was epic. That was epic. The, the yeah. apologize for absolutely fucking nothing and mm. all. Even like all McGregor's ones are all brilliant. To be honest, mm. even the, even the like. Uh, you know the, the speed and the, the, even the Aldo one and yeah they're all good like yeah. apart from the spit shine my belt one that was that was pretty terrible but the rest of them were good or the one where he had the second but he's like where the fuck's my belt you cheap motherfuckers yeah, and all and, good, and then yeah. he was like oh that looks good that looks good yeah, no, like, that, yeah, was that was good, yeah. hilarious that was good, that was good. i dreamt this into reality there you go they said that one uh all right last question from mr bodge what's your favorite tv show at the moment love island has to be love island like has to be playing. It has to be on TV at the moment. Well, uh, you know, just what you watching at the moment. Anything you watching? Anything good? Um, no, no, I'm actually not. I, I'm I Love Island. I love a bit. Have you been watching Love Island? No, no, I don't watch Love Island. I've seen. I saw oh, one episode there the other day, but like, which, no. Which one? What happened? I didn't see the full episode even. Ah. The Jersey now that Jersey Shore is over, it's terrible. All I'm doing these days is watching Love Island and watching the World Cup, and you know both of them are going to be over pretty soon, so that's terrible. Hashtag Team Dak and Jack and Jenny, Jack and Danny, they're going to win it. They're the best. <laughs> Danny Dyer's daughter, Danny Dyer, is in the house. Did you know that? Yeah, Danny Dyer's daughter's name is Danny I Dyer. This, I was told it the other day. Yeah, it's great, Megan. Wes, anyway, brilliant. Uh, 
Sinninger podcast is dragging on when we're talking about Love Island. <laughs> your Love Island questions Fuck. for next week, everyone. All right, everybody, that's it uh, for this yeah. week. Any any closing remarks, Graham, before we go? Um, I don't know. Uh, when's the next England match? Is it that before the podcast? Obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's next Wednesday, I believe. Tuesday, Wednesday. The next time, Wednesday, I think. Yeah. So that should be prepare fun. for a dumpster fire exit from from England. It's coming home. It's coming going. Football's coming home. Tree lines on our shirt. That's a great tune, in fairness. Dylan Skinner, is it? Yeah, it is yeah. You got to hold and give, but do it at the right time. We haven't Johnny heard Burns. enough of that. Yeah, we haven't heard enough. Yeah, but uh, I think we've kind of Ireland have turned on England a little bit because it's uh, it's kind of good crack. And like I, I, when I was out on Saturday night, there was loads of people just breaking out into <laughs> singing. It's coming home all the time, you know, because it's kind of a piss take thing. Crack and tune as well. It is. It is a cracking tune. It is a cracking tune. Um, all right. If you have any questions after listening to this podcast, please send them at the Severian Man Pod because we've answered a shitload of them, and I just realised I don't have really many left <laughs> for the for the Q and A. So uh, send in a few more there, lads, or else I'll just be talking shit into a microphone and do nothing for uh, like fifteen minutes. So there you go. Anyway. All right. Sign up Patreon.com forward slash Severian Man Podcast and listen to that fifteen minutes of shit talking uh, tomorrow. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. Here's the inspirational quote of the week: The problem isn't the problem. The problem is your attitude to the problem. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday or Sunday.